Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a second. Make sure we're getting those beautiful green check marks across all five streaming platforms, and we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was interesting. I know we got a, you know, yesterday when we went live uh, on our Sunday evening podcast of course there was a game going on there's a game going on tonight with the Chiefs and the and the Patriots but before we talk anything about that particular matchup and the implications thereof on the Denver Broncos the uh breaking news today not exactly Bronco related but the uh, Houston Texans relieving their head coach slash GM Bill O'Brien of his duties after the Texans get out to an 0-4 start the pressure was on, I guess, when he made those that monumental trade, a few trades actually that, you know, in hindsight didn't look so hot. But what was your gut reaction to that? I think the last draw was today he gave himself play calling duties. So he's already the general manager, he's the head coach, and now he's the play caller. And I believe it was Cal McNair who just had enough. Yeah, he just they couldn't go through with the Bill O'Brien era anymore. And this is not a Texans podcast, but this is good for Deshaun Watson. It's good for David Johnson. It's good for all those players in Houston because Bill O'Brien, Chad, was not cutting it. He was one of the worst head coaches in the entire NFL. And when VJ was around, he rivaled VJ for that honor. So it's good for Houston. Not really good for the rest of the uh, AFC. Romeo Cornell's the interim coach, and I think he can, he can heat. Even heat will be better than what B.O.B. brought to the table. I still remember, what was the line that Bill O'Brien dropped on VJ when he botched the end of that oh. game? Uh, it, was, oh. it involved an expletive because, of course, it's it's Bill O'Brien. But uh, oh like, my, thank, I got I to find that. I got to find it. Thanks, Vance, you dumbs. You know, right, something. it was something like that. Yeah. F-word. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. Just This is just a quick aside. 
uh, as it relates to Bill O'Brien, I always thought I always let me put it this way. I never liked him as the former, of course, uh, Patriots OC in between their time apart from Josh McDaniels. And then he goes on to coach, what was it, Penn State? And then he comes back to the to the league. But that year that the uh, <clears throat> that Hard Knocks was on the Houston Texans and I, you got to see a little bit of the Bill O'Brien, the 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 man and his family and his son that has special needs and all that. It just made me actually appreciate him a lot more. And, you know, he got a little bit out over his skis, you know, the last couple of years. He yeah. won that power struggle, ended up becoming the full-on shot caller caller as far as football operations in, in Houston. But, you know, he'll live to fight another day. It's not often, Zach, that a head coach that exits with four out of the six seasons, uh, having been to the playoffs, a couple of division titles, a plus 500 record as a head coach. It's not often that those guys get sent packing but in this case, the pressure was on, man, when they when he made some of those trades in the offseason. So happy trails, I guess, to Bill O'Brien. Because there's only one Bill Belichick, and every coach that he spawned that's trying to be Bill Belichick has fallen short completely. When you're the GM and the head coach, Chad, it's, it's only a handful of people who can do that job adequately, and Belichick is one of them. So, you know, Eric Mangini, Adam Gase, all these wannabes, Josh McDaniels, all these Belichick wannabes can never cut it outside New England. Bill O'Brien, I think he'll take like a year off away from the NFL. He should resurface maybe as an assistant coach or a coordinator, but his time as a head coach, that, that ship has long sailed away. So today we're excited. We're going to talk about the Denver Broncos rookie class because we are at a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a break point. It is that kind of mini mini buy in between week four and week five where the Broncos are getting uh, 10 days off. But we're going to go through and talk about the rookie class. We're going to bring on one of our superstars and official Facebook supporters that you all know and love and Steve Griffith here in just a minute. We, we figured, hey, man, we have a little downtime. Things slow down with regard to the Broncos news cycle because of the uh, mini buy. And so we thought, hey, let's catch up on some of our superstars who maybe we either want to talk to again, like Mike yesterday and Steve, who we haven't had a chance to meet with and talk with on the show. So we're kind of catching up in that vein this week. And of course, you know, the Broncos return to the building tomorrow on Tuesday. We're going to find out if Drew Locke, of course, he's going to throw. We're going to find out how he did, how he felt, um, you know, and the week starts again. That's when the news cycle will pick back up. But in the meantime, Zach, we have some time to let our hair down, analyze what this team has done and how it's how it's performed through the first quarter of the season. So get any questions that you have. We'll we'll take them all. Get your super chats ready if you have them. We'll get to them here in just a few minutes. But Zach, before we get to matters of business, and then of course, welcome on Steve. Did you see that the Broncos announced today a little press release that they are going to allow no more, no less, 5,700 fans for their remaining six home games uh, of this season? Yeah, it's good for Broncos country. It'll help the Broncos a little bit of a home field advantage, but you know, it's it's on the players and the coaches, Chad. I'm not putting the, the stock and the crowd noise or the crowd atmosphere. If the Broncos play good football, limited fans or no fans, they'll be a okay. All right, really quick here, we're gonna we need to bring on Steve, but give me just one second. I am having a little bit of a slow computer for some reason, so bear with me just one second here, gang. I should have had this loaded up ahead of time, but. I, I can remember most things, but some things I definitely need to have the script in front of me. Uh, but guys, this particular episode, as you guys know, it is brought to you by this live stream episode is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. And right now, if you guys head on over to sportsbetting.com, you can get a risk-free week of betting up to $500. And 
Uh, sportsbetting.com, you get sharp odds, you get low juice, you get hassle-free bonuses, you get 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the United States. The kicker, though, again, is that 100% risk-free week of sports betting, up to 500 bucks. It's not just one bet. It can be all of your bets. You can play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings, at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com is going to cover 100% of the difference up to that $500 mark. And, of course, you can roll it over one time as well. So with sports gambling, gambling in general being legal in the state of Colorado, head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. And capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to 500 bucks. All right, a couple of quick matters of business as well, and then we'll get Steve on here. Gang, follow the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, also at MileHighHuddle on Twitter. If you have those two accounts followed on Twitter, you're not going to miss anything as it relates to the podcast or breaking Broncos news and analysis. Gentle reminder, check out HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself an MHH trucker hat. Get a Football Priest t-shirt. Get a Let Them Hate t-shirt. Get the Football Priest hat. There's face masks. There's mugs. There's hoodies. There's a little something for everybody. Male, female, uh, adults, children, teens. There's a little something for everybody. If you're in a position to patronize the merch store, it's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH, bringing you this content each and every day. And if you're not in a position to do that, it's all good. Each one of you can do these three things. Subscribe. Like this video. This is especially crucial if you're one of our Facebook community members or on YouTube. Like this video. And then if you really think that Zach and I are doing a good job for you covering this team and bringing you this content and the conversation and the community on a daily basis, the best thing you can do is share this video out there. If you think we're doing a great job, share this episode out there. Help MHH and the Huddle Up podcast continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then one last thing here, Zach, got to shout out our Facebook supporters. You'll see your names flashing across the ticker here on the bottom. There's too many to name individually, but we appreciate each and every one of you. Steve, who we're going to bring on here in just a second, is one of our Facebook supporters as well. Also supports the brand, also supports MHH on YouTube as a superstar. But we love you guys. If you're one of our Facebook community members, you'd like to become an official supporter, just go to the page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. You'll see the big blue button. That's how you can become. Uh, an official supporter. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Seltzer isn't your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand that was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Core Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. So whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Core Seltzer, you're volunteering. 
Listen, gang, our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. Through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each pack of Coors Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results? It'll blow your mind. One billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S. And that's just year one. And gang, there are four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. So enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and it's only 90 calories. And Zach, let me tell you, I've got my eye on that black cherry. Yeah, there's nothing better, Chad. The, the weather's turning. It's getting cooler. It's football season. Nothing better than kicking back with a Coors. I like the mango personally, but they're all pretty good. Nothing better, Chad. Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Seltzer. You can become a volunteer and restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right. So without further ado, Zach, let's bring on Steve Griffith to the show. There he is in the flat, rocking the Let Him Hate shirt. True boss. He knows the drill. What's up, Steve? It's good to have you on the show, my friend. Thanks for making some time for us. Hey, I appreciate it. It's, it's an honor. Thanks for so having me. we were uh, talking about this, of course, a little bit before the show, just kind of giving you the rundown, what to expect here tonight. And of course, you are in the fine state of Colorado, but it is the Denver Broncos. So you do exemplify the hashtag state of being Broncos country. As you know, we say this on the podcast is not a geographic location. It is a hashtag state of being. And of course, we want to get your thoughts on some of the pressing Broncos issues of the moment. We're going to get to that. But first, tell us and the community here how you became such a passionate and outgoing Broncos fan. Well, I guess I'll age myself a little bit. I actually became a fan in 1986. Most people remember that season pretty well. Um, uh, a lot of triumph and joy, then heartache at the end of the Giants loss in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, that's I was hooked ever since that that playoff run. I was indoctrinated as a child into the orange and blue faith, most definitely. The first game I can actually remember watching of the Denver Broncos, though, was the next Super Bowl against Washington and Doug Williams. And, of course, the Broncos get out to such a hot start like they did in those first two Super Bowls with Elway, only to uh, relinquish the lead in a hurry and then end up getting blown out. But all right, Zach, I know you got a couple of questions, but let me just fire one more over here to Steve. We've been talking a lot about the Denver Broncos getting out, of course, to an 0-3 start. Then they punctuate the first quarter of the season with a win against the Jets. And, you know, it was a clash of two 0-3 teams. Broncos come out on top. Tell us how you're feeling about the Denver Broncos at the quarter mark of the season. You got still 12 more games to go. You're getting guys like Drew Locke back here very, very soon. A.J. Bouye, Phillip Lindsay. Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker. There are other guys. Uh, Noah Fant, temporarily out. He'll be back. What's your outlook? How are you feeling about your team? Well, you know, I'm, I'm still excited. We have a young core. Um, I'm definitely not on that bandwagon of guys wanting to tank for Trevor. Um, I think Drew Locke's the future. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited. I mean, I, coaching is kind of an issue, I believe. But just the young core of players, I mean, anybody should be excited. That's a fan. 
Steve, I'm curious, you know, you're kind of like a veteran Broncos fan and you kind of know the deal by now where I'm going with this. What is your favorite memory as a Broncos fan? And, and conversely, what is your worst memory as a Broncos fan? Favorite's got to be Super Bowl 32, that first that first Super Bowl victory. Um, that one's always going to be probably my favorite worst. Man, those Super Bowl losses in the 80s are pretty – they're up there. Maybe the 49ers, and that was that was brutal. The Giants game wasn't too bad. I figured we were kind of in that game until the end. But, yeah, I think that 49ers Super Bowl was probably the worst. We don't get that too much, Chad. We usually get Vance Joseph or Paxton Lynch. We don't, we don't get, you know, the 80s and the 90s. But see, I'm guessing, Steve, that you're you're probably born in the late 70s like I am. Yeah. Yeah, so, 78. And I'm 79. So we, we are both children of the 80s. And as I mentioned, of course, the, the Redskins game, was the Redskins Super Bowl was the first Bronco game I can remember. By the time we rolled around to that Niners Super Bowl, the very next, actually two seasons later, because mm-hmm. right, the 88 was the Niners and the Bengals. So the Broncos skipped a year, came back 89. But by the time we got to that Super Bowl, I was fully locked in and a fully engaged young Denver Broncos fan watching each and every game, uh, follow, you know, collecting all the cards, racking up all the posters, three amigos, all that stuff. And so when the Broncos got blown out 55-10 by the Niners, that game made me hate for the first time anything in this world. I absolutely <laughs> hated Joe Mont- uh, Montana. I hated the San Francisco 49ers. I hated – uh, by that point, I don't think – actually, I think it was Bill Walsh. No, that was uh, Seifert, if I'm not mistaken. Either yeah. way, I hated the Niners, right? That game brought out to me the realities of uh, sports passions and, and sports hatred. But I do remember that as well. I'm with you. That was a very low moment. I would also throw out there, of course, the botch snap in Super Bowl 48 where everybody just felt that sickening pit in their stomach and those yeah. iron butterflies, you know, just crushing your soul. Yeah, I totally agree. Um and, and to Zach's point, I, I have to say that, you know, Vance Joseph, that was a pretty dark time. Uh, Josh McDaniels. But everybody has that answer, so I had to change it up. All right, bear with me one second. Go ahead, Zach. I just wanted kind of your outlook. Okay, the Broncos are 1-3. They picked up a much-needed victory, Steve, against the Jets. Yeah. Where do you see the season going from here? Not necessarily a prediction, record prediction, but do you see the Broncos stacking some wins? Do you see Drew Locke coming back and finding success? What's your opinion? You know, with the injuries, I'm not quite as optimistic as I was at the beginning. Um, I'm thinking six and ten, seven and nine. I think we're gonna, we are going to stack some wins. This is a pretty brutal part of the schedule that we're getting through right now, um, outside of the Jets. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Before I was at eleven and five, twelve and four, that sort of thing. But yeah, not now. It's pretty hard to overcome an 0-3 start, and it's pretty tough to overcome the loss of your number one rush linebacker, your number one defensive lineman, your number one corner, your number one quarterback, your number one wide receiver, your number one running back. I mean, you you could take it, Philip Lindsay, but yeah, the tight end. It just it's been a, a complete comedy of injuries, and not and it, there's nothing funny about it, but it's been a comedy nevertheless. All right, last question for you here, Steve, with regard to some of the issues of the moment. You might have noticed a lot of fans kind of getting the um, on social media. You spend a lot of time on Facebook. I do as well. We've both spent time on Twitter. You've seen it. And even in our community and some of the conversation, we've seen it from from the community here in the live streams. But the grass is greener kind of mentality where a, a, a fraction, I don't want to paint with too broad a strokes because it's definitely not a majority that I'm seeing in Broncos country, but that fraction of Broncos country that is ready to give up on Drew Locke 
has latched on to Brett Rippon and is saying to themselves, man, if only we had a Justin Herbert, we'd be somewhere at this point. But what's your take on overall on the question of Drew Locke? I know we've already touched on it a little bit here, but do you still have faith in Drew Locke? And if you do, why do you still have faith in Drew Locke being the guy for this team? I absolutely have faith in Drew Locke. Um, like I said, I'm nowhere near on on that wagon of the guys that are saying tank for Trevor. I mean, yeah, he he he's a he's a talented quarterback, but to be able to to just drop everything and put your hopes on a kid that can come out of college, he's unproven in the NFL. You can't you can't throw your baskets in that. We have somebody who's proved he can win. We got to run with him. We have a supporting cast. We're just banged up right now. Steve, real quick. Yes. Brian Hoyer versus Brett Rippon. Broncos versus Patriots. Who you got? It's going to be a tough game. Uh, I'm watching the, the Patriots tonight, and they're, they're, they don't look too bad with, hit with, uh, with Hoyer at the helm. So um, if our defense can show up, I think that, you know, we have a chance to beat anybody. Very true. Zeus McPeak jumping in with a little shout out for you, Steve. Appreciate you, Zeus, Thank with you, his Steve. generosity as always on Super Chat, one of our MHH Mount Rushmore members and a superstar in the community, the first superstar in the community. He says, I'm an 80s kid as well. Steve rocks. Shout out to all the 80s kids, those of us that right. are in our right. early to mid to maybe even late <laughs> 40s. But Steve, again, buddy, thanks for making some time for us here. I know that uh, you know, we've been talking about getting you on here for about a month, but once the season started, we got into the role of covering the news and it finally worked out to get you on the show. So it's been great getting a chance to meet you and talk with you, find out your background, find out where your passion for this team came from. So well, of course, want to get you back on in the future. But again, thanks for making time for us here tonight on the Huddle Up podcast. Absolutely. appreciate it, guys. It's been an honor. By the way, his uh, Twitter Let account, me. it doesn't show it on the uh, screen, but it, his name, Steve Griffith, Griffith spelled with an E. Uh, it's his Twitter handle, follow him, at Steve Griffith. It's pretty uh, pretty easy to remember. And by the way, Kenneth Booker jumping in to say, my worst moment was Jay Cutler having that great win against Cincinnati and then losing to the sorry 49ers. My favorites were the wins against Warren Moon in the playoffs. Definitely, definitely feel that. But, yeah. Steve, we got to cut you loose for now, my friend. Have a great night. We'll see you hopefully here in the, in the stream in the very near future. Sounds good. You guys rock. All right. Appreciate you, my friend. Let him hate. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. There he goes, Steve Griffith in the house. And uh, we thank him for making some time for us. Always great getting a chance to catch up with the superstars yeah, and the sure. passionate fans in our community, Zach. And Steve is up there and, uh, you know, rocking the Let Him Hate t-shirt. Just we smile from ear to ear. It makes us proud. It does. And he's no BS. A lot like Mike last night, Chad, just a very realistic, not an idealistic Broncos fan tells it like it is. He still has faith in his team, but he can identify their shortcomings. I will always respect a fan like that. All right. Let me see here. Um, Edward Keating jumping in. Good to see you, Ed. Appreciate the super chat as always. And the YouTube freaking profile pick. Talk about making us proud. Makes us proud, my dog. I heard we signed Nigel Bradham. Yes, so if you missed the live stream from Sunday night, the Denver Broncos did, Zach, in fact, make it official today with their press release. Nigel Bradham has been signed, but to the practice squad. So what that means is, like you've seen in each game so far this year for the Denver Broncos, they have utilized the new rule that allows teams to elevate two players on game day to the active roster. So, Zach, I would – maybe not this week. We'll see just because – you know, your your strength in numbers, you have guys on, at linebacker, you're probably going to need to bring up a couple of D-line guys like Sly Williams and Darius Kilgo, perhaps, that are on the practice squad. But it wouldn't be a surprise, obviously, to see Nigel Bradham elevated uh, in week five against the Pats. It wouldn't be a surprise if if I understand maybe one week of him learning the playbook, but they shouldn't waste any time. He, he's a traditional, real Free down inside linebacker. He can help cover running backs and tight ends. They don't really have that guy on the roster. They have good run support guys. So get him on the 53, keep him there, and he will make an impact. I love this Bradham signing. All right, let's grab Mike Evans. Everyone knows Mike. He was on the show last night and had a great conversation catching Mike up the with the boss. Mike. Love you, buddy. One of the true superstars as well in our community. He's in every stream, and when he's in the stream, he's showing love and supporting MHH and keeping the gears turning, keeping the lights on at MHH Central on YouTube. Love you, bro. He says, I would give our draft class an incomplete grade. Besides Judy, the rest of the class has been quiet. Also, who will be the third quarterback? Appreciate y'all. So let's say when Drew comes back is what he's getting at. Of course, Brett Rippon's going to be the backup. Does Denver keep Blake Bortles or do they keep Jeff Driscoll? They're on the hook, obviously, to a larger degree with Jeff Driscoll financially. But what do you think, Zach? Who cares? I mean, they, they have their franchise guy back. Rippon is, is the good number two. He's a bridge starter if anything should happen. The third quarterback, if they get down to that, if they lose Locke and Rippon, who cares at this point? If you had to make a decision, I'm going Jeff Driscoll. I just don't want Blake Bortles anywhere near this locker room, anywhere near this culture. That's who I would go with, Driscoll. On that same topic, though, Mike, thank you for the, for the perfect segue. The content topic of tonight's show is we want to grade – this rookie class through four games. Now, again, it's easy to say incomplete because it is incomplete, right? It's only a quarter of the season. So the grade is a quarter of the way there. Just like when you were in school, whether you were in elementary school, high school, and college, you know, you could start out the semester, the first quarter of the semester, you could get behind the eight ball and not do so hard. But if you finish strong, you can get your grade up right where it needs to be. So That's whatever right. grades we, we render here tonight, talking about this rookie class, Keep in mind that they are ultimately incomplete, and each and every rookie, whether they are at a good point right now or if they need to you know, step their game up, they have a chance to tweak, edit, elevate, improve their grade. And at the same time, they could lower their grade if they, if they end up struggling. A lot of rookies, Zach, they hit the rookie wall 
uh, about halfway, about 10 weeks into the season, that's about when their bodies are used to being able to, in college, finally get that break. And, and in the NFL, they got to learn to kind of push through that. So let's start with it. We'll keep it kind of flowing with the, with the content and going back and forth to the chat stream. But let's start with Jerry Judy. And I just want to set the table for a second here. Of course, he gets out to, you know, he giveth and he taketh. He has some, makes some nice plays in the opener against Tennessee. And then he has two just really bad drops. The second game, he has another bad drop in uh, Pittsburgh. These last two games, he really has seemed to kind of steady out and has kind of shaken out the, the the rookie jitter, so to speak. And then he really just stepped up to the plate in New York, breaking the ice, getting his first touchdown as a pro. So Jerry Judy, there's a stat, I'll find it here, but he, along with C.D. Lamb, and I think there's one more I'm missing, uh, has managed to have at least 50 yards receiving in each of his four games up to this point. I think that's the stat. I'll, I'll double check that while you're talking, Zach. But what would your grade be? for Jerry Judy through four games. I'm kind of vacillating between B and B plus. I mean, I hold the drops against him, but he's the number one wide receiver and he wasn't ready for that distinction just yet. You can't, you know, blame him for the injuries or missing Cortland Sutton. He is the top receiver right now. The drops are no good. The, the lack of mental concentration is no good, but he atoned for that last week when he mossed the New York defensive back on that touchdown and his route running Chad from week one has been superb. So I think he's mostly as advertised. He wasn't going to be the wide receiver one right away, and that was supposed to be Cortland Sutton. But I think in that role, overcoming the drops, overcoming the injuries and the quarterback changes and the scheme issues, I, I'm i going to go B. Simple B, straight up. I'm going to give him a B- minus only because of the drops. Otherwise, he would get uh, an A, A- minus for me. But I do the thing that I want to kind of latch on to that you said is that he has been as advertised. You know, you expect rookies to kind of have their ups and downs and to, you know, kind of go through that trial and error learning curve and have some early jitters. And we definitely saw that from Jerry Judy in those first two games. But as you can see here, it might be a little bit hard for you to, to make out. Let me see if I can blow it up here on my screen a little bit. But this shows you in his four games as a pro thus far, he's been targeted eight times, seven times, nine times. Last week in, in – uh, New Jersey, it was only four times. So that was the lowest amount up to this point. But in each game, he's totaled at least 50 yards receiving. In fact, you know, he's got two games over 50, two games over 60, and then he got his first touchdown. So he's in some rarefied air along with CD Lamb. There's one more I'm missing uh, in that. Jefferson? Uh, might be Justin Jefferson. But nevertheless, it's very rare for those rookie wide receivers to produce that consistently early on in their rookie career. So I'm going to, I'm going to say a B minus for Jerry Judy. And again, I honestly, of all the rookies that we're going to talk about tonight, Zach, I expect Jerry Judy's grade to go nowhere, but up between now and the end of this season. Yeah. And comparing him to someone like CD lamb. I mean, look at what lamb is dealing with. He has the best passing quarterback in the entire NFL right now. He's surrounded by wide receiver ones, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. He's going to be fed targets and he's going to draw the third best cornerback or the third best safety in coverage. Judy doesn't have that luxury. He's drawing number one cornerbacks. He's drawing double coverage. He is the guy playing with a third quarterback that Broncos are on in, in five weeks of football. So I think for the most part, considering the circumstances, hold the drops against him, hold the mental miscues against him. But like Kenneth points out, he played through a rib injury. He went up and got a, a Moss-type touchdown reception. He's playing with vigor and energy and intensity and a chip on his shoulder. So I can't hate too much on Jerry Judy. Great point. 
about the rib injury. He's fighting through injury. He's fighting through pain. That's part of being a pro, and he's still finding a way to produce through it all. So credit to Jerry Judy. This we'll get pretty to KJ funny. Hamler. <laughs> yeah, Ken. <laughs> Amen, my dog. He says, I'm glad the doctor didn't puncture the lung for of Judy when trying to fix those ribs. Uh, real quick here from Chase Wellner jumping in. Appreciate you, Chase. Good Thank to see you. you. One of the superstars in our community. Chase, you're one of the guys we ought to get you on the podcast one of these days. If that's something you'd be interested in. Not everyone is interested in getting up in front of thousands of people and talking off the top of their head. But if it's something you're interested in, reach out to Zach or myself and we'll schedule a time. We'll put you in the queue, so to speak, and get you on the show here down the road. But he says, hey, fellas, is there a rookie you pounded the table for who is killing it so far on mm. another? Zach, the one guy that I am having some envy up to this point is Clyde. Edwards, uh-huh. who just is a perfect fit on that that Chiefs offense. And I pounded the table for him in a general sense. I knew the Broncos weren't going to draft a running back, especially after they paid all that money to Melvin Gordon and had Philip Lindsay and were just a couple of years removed from a third-round pick in Royce Freeman. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but he's a guy that I – you want to talk about envy at this point and regret. He's got to be up there for me. Jefferson for me, if the Broncos didn't get a receiver in the top end of the first uh, round, I would have liked Jefferson in the tail end. A- another guy is Trevon Diggs, the cornerback for the Cowboys. I like Ojemudia. I like the way he's playing in the third, but Diggs is just a, a number one cornerback already. And uh, the Tristan Wirfs, the tackle for the Buccaneers. I know he went in the top 10 and it was kind of unreachable for the Broncos, but he is a mainstay already. He's a day one starter. We've all seen the issues on the right side of the line with all the other interior issues. It'd be nice for the Broncos to finally have some stability along the offensive line. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, let's move on and talk about KJ Hamler and render a grade up to this point. You want to talk about incomplete. Again, it's an incomplete overall grade for all these players because we're only four weeks in. Excuse me. But especially with a, a rookie who's been banged up and hasn't been able to be available in each and every game to the fullest extent, for KJ, it's even more so going to end up being an incomplete grade. But hopefully you guys can see this. If you can't, he's actually appeared in three of the four games up to this point 
In week two against Pittsburgh, he saw 48 snaps. The Week three against Tampa, 58 snaps. So far, he's been targeted, Zach, 12 times. He's got six receptions and a total of 78 yards, plus two rushes for a net gain of seven yards. My take on, on Hamler is I still don't think they – he hasn't been around long enough and they haven't had continuity enough at the quarterback position for them to kind of realize how to use him quite yet or to maybe fully realize in, in a – visionary sense how they want to use him so for me i'll let you i'll let you get your grade out but for me on on kg hamler i'm probably going to say a c plus up to this point and a large part of that is is coaching not quite when he has been available been able to kind of maximize and feature and focus him but also the fact that he hasn't been able to stay and get healthy that hamstring injury right it's the same hamstring but Vic fangio told us friday it's actually a different it's a new injury a different part of his hamstring that's my thing. I really can't hold injuries against him, but I, I this is one of the reasons I didn't want the Broncos to draft him in the second round after taking Judy. I don't want him to be that Deshaun Jackson constantly injured. When he's on the field, he's good, but he's never on the field. That was my worry, and he's done nothing to alleviate that concern uh, through five weeks. I'm giving him a C-. minus. I think it's very well fair for a player of his caliber. He's shown he can have some speed. He hasn't made an impact, though. The more impact you make, the higher grades you get. So I think C-minus for Hamler, though he's been injured, and though it's only four weeks, I think it's pretty fair. This is the first time I actually realize what his initials stand for. Kali Jacoby Hamler. I think that's how you pronounce it. Kali? Kali? Kali Jacoby Hamler. So we'll see. Let's grab... uh, Michael Ojemudia was the next pick. Let me grab his stats real quick. We'll see what his snap count. He's been utilized quite a bit. Zach has Michael Ojemudia. He has started three of the four games at the outside uh, corner position for Denver. He's played 100% of the defensive snaps, Zach, twice. And in week three, he played 97% of the snaps. He's got a grand total of, it looks like, let's see, 8, 12, 14 tackles and three passes defense. I'll let you start out on this one. What's what's your grade? Incomplete though it might be on Ojemudia so far. Well, Ojemudia's snaps are a reflection of the Broncos' injuries, not an indictment on his talent or lack thereof. So he's been thrust into starting duties. This is a guy like Jerry Judy. He wasn't meant to be the cornerback one or even the cornerback two. He was going to be the third or fourth guy in the pecking order, and you can argue Bosby should be playing over him. I like some of the things he's, he's done. He has the length. He has the, the wherewithal that Langley and Yadam didn't have. But he needs to learn how to catch. He needs to learn just basic fundamentals of playing the position. Once he gets those down, I can see a B, B-plus to end the season. For right now, C-minus, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably give him a slightly better grade, maybe a C, probably a passing grade. It hasn't been great. He's in a couple of games. He's kind of been part of the problem, but he's he kind of steadied out somewhat after a couple of, you know, forgettable welcome to the NFL type of rookie moments. Let's grab this super chat from Mike Deringer jumping in. A name Zach that we don't recognize right. on super chat. So thank you, Mike. Mike, appreciate you. Welcome. Thank you, my friend. And don't forget, as a newer superstar, to reach out, connect with Zach and I on on Twitter, so that we can shout you out and tag you on Twitter after this podcast. We also are going to start. Um, sharing that tweet in our community on YouTube so that the YouTube community sees that shout out as well. But Mike, thank you, my friend. He says, thanks for the pod. Go Broncos. 80s kids with an exclamation point there. Let's see what Locke has and let's watch this young team grow. Zach, that's a good point. We'll get back to the grades, but you know, if this season is indeed lost in their 0-3 start, we talked about the odds yesterday that 538 
are giving the Broncos a 14% chance at making the playoffs. We, we all know that at this point it's more about development, right. uh, evaluation, seeing what you have. We're really going to learn pretty quickly this season what the Broncos have in the youth of this of this roster because so many guys are hurt on the veteran side of things. You know, you're you're losing one of your young guys, one of your young cornerstone pieces for the season in Cortland Sutton, but it's going to be really interesting to see if Locke can kind of gather the forces again as he comes back off off injured reserve, not injured reserve, but similar to last year where he's coming off injury and see if he can you know get everybody fired up and moving in the same direction and raise some ships are you a quarterback that can not just do it once as a rookie and kind of be an outlier but can you be that guy that can raise all ships can you be that that tide i'm not going to go like this about the playoffs i'm not washing my hands of that possibility i'm not saying to turn your attention to the 2021 draft just yet but the broncos have to know what they have in their young nucleus of talent and playoffs or no playoffs injuries or no injuries the number one question they had to answer this season was is drew Locke the guy Is he the quarterback for the next five to 10 years? Is he the franchise guy? So win or lose, record, uh, positive or negative, Chad, we will know hopefully by the end of the season whether Locke can be that guy. It's still not a big enough sample size for my liking. I would have liked a full season and and then some, but half a season, most of the season, we should have a better picture of what guys are worth keeping around next year and what guys are worth getting rid of, coaches included. Yep. All right, let's grab Drew again there, John. Let's get him back on. Talk about a superstar. Drew, by the way, send me that profile pic, dude. Let's get that on MHH Instagram, bro. I know we have you on there once. Well, let's get you on there twice with both the hat and the face mask like a boss. Love you, buddy. And as his, as his handle, <laughs> Drew H, buy some swag. Love Thank you, brother. You, he says, we're so injury riddled that Sly Williams, of all people, is back. I'm upset. Yeah, man, it is. It really is bizarre. You have to wonder, you know, I think obviously the injuries are playing the biggest role in terms of Sly's return here. Oh, yeah. But if this wasn't a, a pandemic-influenced season where they kind of, you know, edited the rules on the fly right on the doorstep of the season where you've got these lacks, you know, not only did they elevate, you know, uh, 16 spots on the practice squad from the traditional 10, but you can protect four of them. You can elevate two of them on game day. All these different – factors i mean i think without them i'm not sure sly does return and if he does return it's to the 53 not he wouldn't have eligibility on the practice squad he wouldn't have come back it's just the injuries and it reminds me like i made the point uh last night of the billy win resigning last year they just needed someone familiar to hold the fort until their players come back i don't hate williams too much for a former first round bust it's not like bringing back pax and lynch or shane ray williams was like you mentioned chad he wasn't ever horrible he just wasn't befitting of a first-round draft pick. So uh, a space eater, a run plugger to kind of make some tackles, help out against the run for a couple weeks, I'm okay with it. See, and I don't view Sly Williams similarly with Roby. I don't view Williams or Roby as bus. And the big reason why is maybe you could say, as you said, they didn't turn out quite as well as you'd like a first-rounder. They're not a lifetime Bronco. But in Sly's turn – case he started on two Super Bowl teams for the the squad that drafted him in the first round and even though he didn't get that second contract definitely disappointing that he wasn't able to garner that you know solid interest and love from the team to keep him around I just because of his contributions especially that 2015 season and even 2016 as well I mean he was a he was a starter as a rookie on the Super Bowl 48 squad but he didn't become like a bona fide starter till the next year, 14, 15, and 16. He started three consecutive seasons for this team. He was available. 
And, you know, you never saw that pass rush become a consistent part of his repertoire. But, Zach, that spin move that he had patented, he would only deploy it once in a blue moon, which I never understood why he didn't try to utilize it more. But when he did bring it out of the old toolbox, man, it always caught his, in, you know, those guards and centers off balance and he, you know, would get through. And even if he didn't get the sack, he'd get the hit. So I still have a lot of affection and respect for Sly, but the the bloom is definitely off the rose. I mean, he has floated around the NFL the last few years and the Chargers had some use for him last year, but he didn't even start for the Chargers last year's at. I didn't even know he played for the Chargers last year. I, I didn't even know he's still in the league. And I had, you know, air quotes around bust. I wouldn't call him a bust, but he's kind of on that borderline. For yeah. a first-round pick, you want a, a game-breaking player, an instant impact player. And he he just fell just short of that, Chad. He was like Justin Simmons, a defensive lineman. Almost. Shout-out to Levi Hope, jumping in again on Super Chat, one of our superstars. And Thank you, Levi. Levi, I know you're you're newer to the club in terms of being a superstar. And, and you know, it's, I'm, I want to say it's going on. Six weeks, maybe a little longer since you've been consistently in each and every stream. I know you've been listening to the show a lot longer than that, but being able to catch the streams live each and every night and you don't just catch them. You're supporting what we do here on Super Chat. And for that, we love you, my friend. Appreciate you. We're uh, we, we're glad you got your T-shirt. We got that out on MHH Instagram today, which was great. So thanks for that, for sending that in to us as well, my friend. He says, what's up, fellas? Hope everyone is doing great. We are doing great, man. Life could not be any better. I mean, you know, you want well, you wish the Broncos were doing better, but man, hey, football's happening. Everyone's healthy and happy. Things couldn't be better. One way, Kansas City loses tonight. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Talk about a superstar. We got Chris Hernandez, 24-year veteran of the Air Force, jumping in here, reminding everybody this is especially crucial on YouTube and Facebook. Listen Hashtag click those little thumbs up. Appreciate the reminder, Chris. Love you, bro. Always good to see you, my friend. All right, Zach, let's get back to our grades. And uh, Blondie Locks, what does it say? Wave if you see my message. We see you. Good to see you. Thanks for being in the stream. All right, let's uh, – and that's on Twitch. So welcome in. Good to have you. Let's get to Lloyd Cushenberry, Zach, who was the the middle of three third-round picks the Broncos had this year. Um, six foot three, 312 pounds. He has started all four games for the Denver Broncos at center. He's played 100% of the snaps up to this point and <clears throat> even recovered a fumble. But Zach, you know, he started off, I think, um, auspiciously week one against yeah. Tennessee. He was solid. But these last three games, man, he has struggled. And I don't know whether to attribute that to just his own rookie struggles. He's a rookie trying to figure it out. Or if you attribute that to the fact that the two guards next to him, the veterans that are supposed to be, you know, kind of helping him along have been struggling in their own right. Or if you attribute it, Zach, to the quarterback carousel up to this point, thanks to the injury bug. But Lloyd Cushenberry, let's face it, he hasn't been very good up to this point. Zach, my grade for him would probably be a D plus. But Hmm. this is one of these guys who, even though the grade right now is very low, he's a guy who I think between now and the end of the season has a great opportunity to make up some ground and really elevate that grade by the time it's said and done. Yeah, I might be in the minority here. I don't see a D grade for Cushenberry. And the factors you mentioned, Chad, take away the quarterback, but the guys next to him are Reisner and, and Glasgow, two guards who are struggling badly. And you're a rookie center. You're the quarterback of the offensive line. There's constant quarterback changes, new schemes to learn, no offseason. Uh, he, he struggled, yes, uh, but he's also flashed. And at times, he's been quiet. And the the question that we received, Chad, the rookie class has been kind of quiet. If that's for Cushenberry, that's a good thing. 
You don't want to hear his name at all. The more we hear his name, the worse it is. He's had his bad moments. He's had his good moments. I, I feel it's very rocky up and down. Um, I'm going to go C-minus. I, I really love the pick a lot. I love his upside. I think it's the center that the Broncos keep around for more than a couple seasons. I, I'm a really big fan of his. All right, let's grab Oscar real quick on Super Chat. Thank you for the support, Thanks. Oscar. And as a newer member on Super Chat, thank you. Welcome. Stick around. And make sure you connect with Zach and I on Twitter so we can shout you out, my friend. He says, Drew Locke worries me. He's had two injuries already. Hopefully, it's just bad luck. I'm worried he can't take hits on an NFL level. I hate this. I, I hate you know, this, Drew. I think, honestly, I think it's a fair concern. I wouldn't y- utilize it as a means with which to draw an overarching conclusion at this point. Zach, look at um, <coughs> excuse me, look at uh, Matthew Stafford in Detroit, a quarterback. We've talked about this before who has drawn, you know, Locke has probably drawn the most common comparison to Matthew Stafford, a guy that was plagued by injuries his first two years in Detroit, and then he comes back and has a really solid, basically, eight-year reign as a 16-game starter and kind of figured it out, figured out how to better protect himself. I think it's fair for fans to have some concerns about Locke's ability to stay healthy, but as a quarterback up to this point, I have still yet to see anything that makes me doubt that he – can't maximize what are very evident and obvious franchise quarterback tools. It's I'm going to say it's luck. It's bad luck. It's a fluke. It, it's uh, it's not a trend. It's not a pattern. I don't believe in coincidence, but I believe that's what it was. Any quarterback, Chad, they're going to get drilled from behind. You give them no protection. They're going to end up injured. It's not a Drew Lock problem. It's a protection problem. And you saw immediately in the Jets game what could happen when you have a real right tackle instead of a guard pretending to play tackle. Rippon was not sacked one time. Locke would not be injured if they had DeMar Dotson in the game. Last year with a thumb injury, you know, again, it happens. It's I wouldn't call him brittle. He didn't have the reputation coming out of Missouri. It wasn't one of the red flags, Chad. It happens in the game of football. And when you don't protect your quarterback and you allow him to get injured and take hit after hit after hit, that's the end result. All right, let's uh, talk about McTelvin Ajim, the, the final of three third-round picks the Broncos had this year. And, you know, the first two games, he was a healthy scratch because the Broncos had all their bodies basically available weeks one and two. Then the injury bug struck against Pittsburgh. And then, you know, you lose Draymond Jones, you lose Demarcus Walker, then you lose Darrell Casey. But he has seen a steady increase in snaps up to this point. Honestly, it's been such a small exposure. I think he barely can qualify for a grade even in this, you know, very unique uh, set of circumstances. For him, I, I haven't seen anything on the few snaps that he has received. And by, by the way, that's nine snaps in week three, 17 total snaps. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. 
Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Last week, and he tallied an assisted uh, tackle last week, by the way. For him, you know, it's basically a little bit more than just an average passing grade because he hasn't done anything to really show out in a negative way. So for me, I'm going to give him a C plus, And that's mainly because we just, he hasn't had much exposure up to this point, right. but I've seen nothing from him that would make me doubt him. And he's got an opportunity, one hell of an opportunity, Zach, because yes, they went out and signed Sly and they signed Darius Kilgo. And, you know, they're going to be, they, they signed, uh, who's the guy they signed last week? Uh, Timmy Jernigan from, from uh, the free agent pool, but he still has an opportunity to really kind of work his way more into the rotation, stay on the field and get some, some real experience as a rookie. But what are your thoughts on Ajim up to this point? I, I, I hate to be a party pooper, but I can't grade this. I, I can't give him a grade when we've seen a handful of snaps. Let me just see one game of Ajim playing, you know, close to starter snaps. Let him get it on the stat sheet, and then I'll make my determination. I agree with what you said, though. Nothing has screamed negative. Nothing has screamed positive. So if that's a C, I guess he gets a C. And that kind of wraps up the rookie class who have who have seen exposure up to this point. I mean, with what remains you have, Albert Okawe-Boonham, who has not been active for a single game yet. Justin Street, who was injured, he's done for the season in training camp. Natani Muti, who is not dressed yet for a game. Um, actually, let me double-check that on, on Muti. He might have dressed, but he hasn't played yet. Tyree Cleveland and Derek Tuska have seen some exposure Tuska on special teams, and then Tyree Cleveland has seen some a few snaps. Actually was healthy and dressed and, and played in week one, and then Sutton's gone down, and I think you'll start continuing to see more and more of him, especially because Deshaun Hamilton hasn't really been able to maximize his opportunities up to this point, and now you got Hamler down again. So I think you're going to see a lot more, Zach, of Tyree Cleveland in the, in the near future, probably through the duration of this season. Derek Tuska, you know, if he could find a way to crack the defensive lineup and get a few rotations in there, as an edge rusher, just in relief of Jerry Atachu and, and Bradley Chubb, maybe we could have something. But, you know, really, it's just those first five picks that we've been able to see much from up to this point. Yeah, he has a great opportunity, though. Him and Najim have just immediate pass to playing time because of injuries. And if they can just take advantage of those, we will have a grade on them, you know, soon. W, we jumping in with the super chat. Thank you, my friend. Bringing up an, a good point. It's very fair. He says, I think the narrative about Ojemudia changes if he catches those interceptions, he could have three. I'm giving him a solid B. And that's if, that's fair, man. Hey, if, if, be, if. beauty is uh, in the eye of the beholder, right? And, in, and it really just kind of depends on how you weigh the factors. He definitely has had a chance to improve or to produce better than he has. But Zach, 
He hasn't. That's the problem. That's why it is, his grade is what it is up to this point for us. But I still am high on Ojemudia. I still think that he has a really productive and positive career as a Bronco ahead of him. I don't see the same kind of warning signs um, of Isaac Yadam and Brendan yeah. Langley before him. I do think he's going to turn out and be a, at least a solid draft pick investment for this team. I think his upside is that of a career cornerback too. And you know what? In the third round, that could be worse for the Broncos. You always love to have that guy like a Bradley Roby. Like you said, though, he didn't make those picks. He didn't catch the ball. So the Broncos, you can make, if certain things broke a certain way, they could be 4-0 and right now. They're not, though. So Ojemudia, nope. he has to catch those passes. Uh, if he could, I would grade him higher. But he didn't, so I graded him lower. Yes, John, we did grab Oscar. Uh, we're good there. All right, Zach, we, uh, we're sitting here about the 46-minute mark, and, of course, there is a there is a very interesting game going on right now. What is the score? I don't know what the score is of the yeah. Chiefs and Patriots. I'd be curious to know. I know a lot of uh, fans are watching and listening to this live stream podcast at the same time. Uh, here's a comment. 6-3 still. Wow. Still 6-3. Interesting. Okay. Here's an interesting comment from Quincy on Facebook. And, by the way, Quincy, it's been great having you in the streams and contributing to the conversation. So yes. welcome and stick around and keep it going, my friend. He says, I support any and every Broncos player except Hamilton. I like Locke, <laughs> but if he gets hurt again, we should consider getting a quarterback early in next year's draft. And, Zach, that kind of brings up a, an interesting article that our Bob Morris had yesterday at milehighhuddle.com. I'm sure most of you have read this article. But Bob did some painstaking research to basically look at the number one overall pick historically, uh, at least since like 91 or 92, basically the last 30 some odd years of the NFL. And what his conclusion that he came to is, regard, <clears throat> excuse me, regardless of what happens with Drew Locke this year, let's say he comes back and plays well. If the Broncos land the number one pick overall, his conclusion is that you have to take uh, Trevor Lawrence, because he's just that kind of a quarterback. I'm not sure I'm on the same page with Bob on that, but it's a very well-researched and well-thought-out piece. I'm just – don't quite draw the same conclusion that Bob did, but everyone should go read that that article. Well, you have to be in position to draft him as well. So even if Locke gets injured, he's not the guy. If you're picking eighth or ninth, unless you're going to trade the house, you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence. So they have to finish with the number one overall pick, and I just don't see that happening. I don't see Lawrence coming to Denver. The only way they're going to get him – they either sell the entire farm, which I don't see Elway doing in maybe his last year as the GM, or they get the number one, maybe number two overall pick to mitigate the cost. I don't see either of those scenarios playing out. It's I, I think, though, I will say this. If Locke gets hurt again, the Broncos will get another quarterback. I just don't know where in the draft or who it will be, but they will bring someone else in for at least competition next summer. Let's grab Kenneth Booker's comment here. Thanks for the super chat, my brother. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Kenneth. He says, Locke gets hurt when he plants his hand down, then going down. So in other words, it's natural for any human being. As you're falling, you want to catch your fall, right? You put your arm down. He needs to cover the ball and live to play another down. I broke my wrist the same way. And I think that's true, Zach. And again, it's, it's not victim blaming. I don't think in this case that Drew Locke just kind of has to learn and this was something even Mike talked about yesterday on the podcast when he joined us that, you know, you just have to learn that, you know, you got to live to fight another down. You know, there, there's however many snaps, 70 something snaps on average in a given game. And if Locke has had this bad of luck early on with the injury bug, hopefully there's been some kind of a takeaway 
And I think it's more attributable to luck, like you said, to be honest with you, Zach. But it's happened twice now, and he's just got to learn how to better protect himself, and he'll be a better quarterback for it. To me, no offense, Kenneth, uh, it is victim blaming because if you protect him, he's not going to get injured. If you protect the quarterback, the offense gets better. And Locke didn't have that. Locke had an unstable guard playing tackle, two unstable guards, a rookie center, and a pretty good left tackle in Garrett Bowles. Brett Rippon had more of protection, more of a luxury than Locke had in his starts. So I don't really fault him for wanting to make a play. I said this on last night's pod. It's just the way Drew is wired. He is a gunslinger. He is a backyard football type who makes plays and kind of ad-libs, like a Favre, Mahomes, Romo, anyone like that. If you expect him to be a game manager or an Alex Smith or a Kirk Cousins, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Speaking of protecting Drew Locke, Roger Gutke, one of our Facebook supporters. Love you, Roger. Appreciate you, my friend. His question is, do you think DeMar Dotson will be the starter for the rest of the season? I certainly hope so. And, Zach, that kind of is a nice segue to bring up an interesting article that was uh, published today at milehighhuddle.com. You guys should go check it out when you get some time. But Vic Fangio was asked directly about DeMar Dotson uh, when he got back from uh, the trip to New Jersey. And I'll tell you, here's what he said about DeMar Dotson's first game. Quote, I think Dot went in and did a good job. He was obviously rusty, but he's a veteran. And once it's identified who he has to block, he does a good job of getting that done. I expect him to improve next week. I think he'll be even better next week than he was yesterday. Close quote. So, you know, Dotson, we talked about it in the gut reaction. We talked about it last night with Mike. Dotson was a revelation. I mean, he his impact at right tackle, even though the rust was falling off in chunks, this was his first meaningful game or action in 2020, it was falling off in chunks, but it was palpable, the impact, Zach. He made at right tackle. And, you know, pro football focus, they gave him – they credited him with four pressures allowed, no hit, no QB hits, and no sacks. Of course, Rippon was not sacked in week four. <clears throat> but they did, PFF, credit him with four pressures. I'm not sure I could – I'd have to go back and watch every single snap on the coach's film. I can think of two times where I noticed him giving up some pressure that kind of influenced the play, influenced the quarterback. But nevertheless, it was leaps and bounds from a consistency and a competency perspective above Elijah Wilkinson. Dot. Cool nickname, Vic. Thanks for not playing him for four weeks. <laughs> I, I, it means what he's saying means little and little and less and less to me. He has to be the starter. I, I don't know if Wilkinson wasn't injured, would he be the starter? And that's scary and depressing to think about. But I think uh, based on how he performed, he was the best Broncos right tackle I think I've seen since I started covering the team. The only other contender in there was Jared Valdir. So Dotson was an immediate upgrade. And what do we expect? He was a nine-year starter, 100 career starts in Tampa Bay. He came off the scrap heap, inserted right away. He he sat for a while, but he was always going to be better than Wilkinson because for the simple reason, he's a natural right tackle. What a concept. I can't wait to see Drew Locke behind – because right now I think it is your – I wrote about this today. I think this is your best starting five that's available to you today. They're out on the field. Dotson and Bowles at tackle. Uh, Reisner and Glasgow at guard and Cushenberry at center. And now hopefully you get some chan- a chance for the five to kind of play together and, and have some cohesion, establish some cohesion and chemistry. And then when you get Drew Locke back, man, you can really get off to the races. I think it's going to be a, a very big difference by the time Locke does get back under center because Wilkinson, again, he's a great try-hard guy. The Broncos, especially in the light of all these injuries, they need great do-good guys. And so, you know, you wish a speedy recovery to Elijah Wilkinson – 
but it's good that Dotson's on the field right now. And six foot ten, uh, Adon jumping in to echo Zach. He says, Zach's right. Protect your QB. Let him do his job. When Locke comes back, we should see a much more calm and cooler version of him. I mean, guys, we saw this with Josh Rosen. We saw th- we saw this with David Carr. We we see this a lot where young quarterbacks don't get the protection and it stunts them. They, it's just it's like an infant or a toddler. What you teach them in that period stays with them. You can shape the course of their life and how they respond and how they act and their personality traits and their you know their their afflictions. And when you have a quarterback constantly retreating and constantly worried about being hit, look at Driscoll. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest, you know, awareness and headiness as a quarterback. But when you're pressured on every single snap, you're going to be drifting back too. You're going to be escaping the pocket too. I can't fault Drew Locke for his injury. I can't fault Drew Locke for his ineffectiveness. You fix the protection. You fix the entire offense. We saw it last week. And to echo your point, I cannot wait to see Locke behind a real right tackle. Congrats to Duke, by the way. We've mentioned it once on this podcast, but Duke has a brand new granddaughter. And so congratulations to Duke Boynton Congrats, Duke. and uh, to your daughter as well. So uh, very cool. Proud, a proud grampy right here in Duke Boynton. And of course, as always, we thank you for the support, Duke. And it's always good staying in touch and seeing what's going on in your life, my friend, on social media. He says, John Buona Beast is one of the most underrated mods ever. He is Johnny on the spot in every single live pod. Well done, Beast. You're awesome. So, John Cronenberg, the producer slash mod of this podcast, and he spends so much time on YouTube, in the comment section, keeping the conversation going on Twitter, engaging with everybody. He is uh, very much so one of the unsung heroes at uh, MHH and very much helps Zach and I keep the party rolling. John is the unsung hero of this podcast and everyone out there, go follow him at John K MHH. Show him some love. Show him some love. All right. We are Coming up against it, we'll grab one or two more, and then we'll get out of here for tonight. Uh, Dennis Woods, another just consistent superstar. And Dennis, the invitation is open. If you ever want to come on the show, reach out, let us know. We'll set it up, my friend. We'd love to talk with you. Again, not everyone's interested in doing that. Not everyone is uh, want, wants to, to come on the show. But if you want to, you just say the word. Appreciate your support, as Thank always. You. No preseason and an abbreviated offseason affects development of rookies more than others. I'm waiting till next year to make a serious judgment. I like what I've seen, though. He's speaking overall to the 2020 rookie class. And I do, I, I concur with Dennis that I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. My only regret is just the luck this team has had with the injury bug has put more pressure and onus and kind of forcing these young guys to grow up a little bit faster than they might have originally been expected to by the team. But, you know, it's a crucible. And it's a trial by fire, and it's a refiner's fire. You know, there's three analogies for you right there. These guys have to come out of this better for it, these rookies. And I think from what we're seeing from the guys we were able to at least analyze on tonight's show, they are, Zach. I concur to a point because, yeah, the Broncos were affected by a shortened offseason and no training camp, but so were 31 other teams. And some other teams, like we mentioned, have rookies that are performing very well right now. We, we named them to start the show tonight. So yeah, it was hurting the Broncos specifically having a new quarterback or a first time starter, having a new uh, coordinator, having these new moving pieces. It does affect them, but I wouldn't wait until next year. We will have, we have to have the answers. Not we will have or hope to have. We better have the answers over the course of the rest of this season, at least pertaining to quarterback and some of the other starters on this team, offense and defense. All right, let's grab this last super chat from Bonafide superstar, Black Knight 232. Good to see you, my friend. Thank By the you. way, how is the 
tournament going with the gaming squad. Hope hope that's going well. Maybe you haven't had a chance to uh, suit up, as it were, and get uh, back into action, but hope that's going well for you, my friend. He says, so if the 2021 draft was to be held tomorrow, what position are you looking to upgrade? Edge, offensive tackle, or a coverage linebacker? Some fans right now are shouting to their phones, quarterback. I'm telling you, some fans are. But what would your answer be here for Black Knight 232? It's got to be, again, it's got to be protection for the quarterback. It's, you know, it goes franchise quarterback, then franchise left tackle. On the Broncos, you know, if they don't sign Garrett Bowles and Juwan James is Juwan James, they might not have two starting tackles, and whoever's going to play quarterback next year is going to suffer. I would for sure run that draft card up. It depends on where the Broncos are picking, too, but it's got to be a tackle. It has to. Yeah, I would, uh, if it were tomorrow, I mean, I'm just trying to look ahead because Dotson, you know, we don't want to jinx him. It's his first game. I I agree that I think he has a chance to be just as good of a right tackle in the post-Manning era as a Jared Valdir, but I want to see him get a couple of games under his belt before I I come to that conclusion. But nevertheless, he's 34 years old. He's here on a one-year deal. Juwan James is still young enough, got plenty of football left ahead of him, but you don't know what's in here. You don't know what's in that guy's heart. You know, I mean – Everyone's got a unique situation, and we make fun and, and whatnot of, of Juwan James, and we have on this show. But he made what he felt like was the right decision for him and his family by opting out. But if you're the Denver Broncos, how can you trust him going forward as a football player, especially in light of the weird developments last year with his injury and the way that that was postured and presented in the court of public opinion, uh, especially by season's end? So. If I'm the Denver Broncos, I know I've got Juwan James under contract and I'm tied down to that money next year. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I've got to get – and I still don't know what's up with Garrett Bowles. So it's got to be an offensive tackle. And even if you get Drew Locke back in this question is what would you do at the end of the season if the if, you know the, the draft is held at its traditional time, what are you going to do? Even if Drew Locke comes back and is fair to middling or even struggles a little bit, I'm still not – it depends on the exact – shape of how those struggles would take place. I'm still a long ways out from saying give up on lock time to get another quarterback. I'd be more interested in continuing to build that nest around him at this point than, you know, throwing in the towel and go and get the next shiny quarterback, the next best one you can get, depending on where you're picking in the draft. I, I want to just point out one more thing, and then people might disagree with this line of thinking, but it doesn't matter if it's Trevor Lawrence, Drew Locke, Fields. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is if you can't protect him. And Rippon showed last week he's not the most impressive quarterback physically, Brett Rippon, but he won. He hung in there, and he delivered the Broncos a victory. And having Trevor Lawrence behind this offensive line with Juwan James and all these uncertainty and all these questions, it'd be like having a Ferrari busted rims. You got to do it the right way. You got to build from the ground up and do things the correct way. And uh, that's what they have to do tackle, offensive line all day, Chuck. Kenneth making the point again. Thanks for the super chat, my friend. He says, Zach, Locke hurt his thumb the same way. He was in that San Francisco game, falling and trying to kind of catch himself, landed awkward. So, again, I do think he needs to, there needs to be some kind of a takeaway for Locke in terms of, you know, when you, when you go through any sort of adver- adversity in life, you got to try and find the silver lining. You got to find the lesson you can take home to either avoid that type of an adversity in the future or overcome that adversity in the future. And, and I think he can. And Drew H, by the way, jumping back in, love you, brother. Thank you. He says, Drew Locke is a franchise guy. He needs protection, period, Zach. And with that, I'll let you kind of close out the conversation for the night. We'll get out of here. 
No, I respect Kenneth Booker's, you know, his point of view here. I'm just, he's not the first quarterback who landed on his hand and hurt his thumb. He's not the first quarterback who hurt his shoulder. And to, to Locke's credit, he's going to come back this season. We're pretending again like he's out for the year. He's coming back in a few weeks, and he will be healthy, hopefully. It uh, Again, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't really believe in luck per, you know, per se, but I don't really think he's injury prone either. It doesn't have to be exclusive. It was two fluky things. Uh, the second was a lack of protection. The first was he fell on his hand and braced his fall. Yeah, maybe the takeaway is when you fall, you know, tuck your arm. Don't put your hand out. That's the only thing. But I'm not going to fault Drew. I'm not going to victim blame Drew for getting hurt. All right, guys, we got to get out of here for tonight. Shout out to Steve Griffith for spending some time with us. Great to catch up and, and meet him in the in the flesh, so to speak. Thank you, Steve, for making some time for us, my friend. In the meantime, guys, make sure you are connected with us on social media. The best ways to do that is to follow the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, and then the main account, at MileHighHuddle. And then whatever you do, follow my partner on Twitter, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then you also want to stay connected with Mr. Producer, Mr. Mod himself, John Cronenberg on Twitter. It's at John K K A Y M H H connect with John. I I, trust me when I say you'll enjoy being connected with him on social media. It's very fun. Follow gentle reminder, check out the merch store and get your swag on huddleuppod.com. Get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a, a mug, a face mask, a hoodie, a little something for everybody. Whatever you do guys, if you're with us live, or if you end up enjoying this live stream, this podcast after the fact, please like the video. And if you really think we're doing a good job, again, a reminder, share this out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then, Zach, we're out of here. Uh, we're off tomorrow night. Of course, it's building the Broncos. It'll be fun to hear what uh, Nick and Carl have to say about the upcoming matchup. But we'll be back in the saddle on Wednesday night. So have a great start to your week, my friend. You too. And we'll talk some Patriots Wednesday, get ready for week five. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll learn some more tonight from the Patriots, win or lose. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. We love you guys. Thank you so much. And to each and every one of you for joining us live or listening to this after the fact. If you're with us live, what really makes it so much more enjoyable for Zach and I is you guys. Thanks, Steve. Love you, buddy. You guys help influence the content. You guys help create the conversation. And that's one of the things that keeps Zach and I coming back for more and setting up the stream and doing it day in, day out. So thanks to each and every one of you for joining the show live here and contributing to the conversation in your own way. But we got to dip out for now. Zach and I will be back Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. But don't miss Building the Broncos tomorrow night, same time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 Eastern. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys Wednesday night. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 